Turn with me to Hebrews 13 and verse 15. Hebrews 13 and verse 15. Uh, the message itself is a little different than what's in your bulletin because God changed it this afternoon. But, uh, uh, you know, Jesus has done so much for us. Uh, Jesus came to this earth and he left the praise and the glory of heaven uh, to live as a, as a normal human being, to go through the troubles that we go through, but ultimately to go to a cross to bear our sin, to take our place. And uh, what an amazing thing. And uh, as we think about what he's done and how he's changed our lives and our response should be to lift him up and praise him and honor him with all that we are. And uh, we can never repay the gift that he's given us, but we need to um, live our lives to honor him by the power of the Holy Spirit. And this, this scripture actually looks at what Jesus did. We're actually not going to read that part because we've, we've been there. And then what we should do is a response to what he has done for us. And, uh, and so uh, the title of my message is Responding to Jesus' Work. Responding to Jesus' Work. And we're going to be in verse 15 and following. It says, Therefore, through him let us continually offer up to God a sacrifice of praise, that, that is, the fruit of lips that confess his name. Don't neglect to do good and to share, for God is pleased with such sacrifices. Obey your leaders and submit to them, since they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account, so that they can do this with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Pray for us, for we are convinced that we have a clean conscience, wanting to conduct ourselves honorably in everything. And I urge you all the more to pray that I may be restored to you very soon. Now may the God of peace, who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, equip you with everything good to do his will, working in us what is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Brothers and sisters, I urge you to receive this message of exhortation, for I have written to you briefly. Be aware that our brother Timothy has been released. If he comes soon enough, he will be with me when I see you. Greet all your leaders and all the saints. Those who are from Italy send you greetings. Grace be with you all. So responding to Jesus' work. Well, how should we respond to the great work that Jesus has done for us? Well, first of all, we praise him wholeheartedly. Uh, verse 15 says, offer up the sacrifice of praise. And uh, I'm not going to re-preach uh, re uh, uh, the message from two weeks ago. But, uh, but we are called to respond to our Savior with praise. And nothing greater, I think, to praise him for than the work he has done for us at Calvary's cross and his work. As high priest and sustainer of our lives and of all that we are. Uh, what an amazing Savior we serve. We need to worship Him and praise Him with our hearts, with our singing, with our prayers, 
uh, and uh, to have an attitude of praise in our lives because of all that he's done for us. And uh, uh, I can remember even before being saved, seeing uh, uh, people that would sing, uh, and just the, the, the glory of the Lord would be upon their face. And um, and uh, some some that wasn't the case, but but there was a few that I saw that that, that was the case. And and you could just tell their heart was engaged in praising his name. And I could think of nothing greater that we could do to honor God. So um, to respond to Jesus and the work he's done for us, praise wholeheartedly. Secondly, live righteously. Look at verse 16. Don't neglect to do what is good. Uh that's pretty simple, isn't it? Do good things. Uh, live with acts of service that honor Jesus Christ and lift him up. Uh, so whatever we do for others. You remember uh, Jesus had a conversation with Peter. Peter denied him three times. So three times Jesus says, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And uh, he's, Peter says, well, Lord, you know I love you. You know all things. You know I love you. Feed my sheep. So Jesus tells him, the way that you will show your love for me, Peter, is by ministering to my people. Uh, so when you do an act of service for someone else, it is an honoring of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this living righteously, doing righteous good things for other people uh, blesses and honors our Savior. So um, uh, this, this is an amazing thing, and it is a very powerful thing, too. Uh, it is a thing that God can greatly use. Um, so uh, praise wholeheartedly, live righteously. Third, give generously. Give generously. It says in verse 16, Don't neglect to do what is good and to share. Uh, that word share there is the Greek word koinonia. Uh, you may recognize that uh, as a word for fellowship. But it is a word that's used in, in several different ways. Uh, one is in the context of generosity. The word literally means to share, as, as my translation says. So we can share in fellowship. We can share in the giving that, that God leads us to do. Um, and uh, we can also share by investing our time. You know, these are all different, different applications of this word. But uh, as we give generously, and I think that's kind of the idea because he's talking about doing good things, right? Uh, one example of that is to share. Um, you know, you teach your kids that when they're little, right? Uh, hey, share with your brother, share with your sister. You know? <laughs> and uh, this is kind of the idea here. And so we give generously as God leads us. Now there's some, you know, there's some uh, principles of God's word that guide how we give or how much we give. Uh, for for example, uh, I can remember one of my professors when I was in college said, uh, said Roger, you're supposed to give to the one who asks you. The, the Bible says so. I want your truck. And I said, I'm not giving it to you. And he said, Why not? Aren't you going to obey God's word? And I said, well, the Bible tells me if I don't provide for my family, I'm worse than an infidel, and I can't provide for my family without my truck. 
so you're not getting it. <laughs> and uh, and uh, he, he kind of grinned and, and went on his way. But uh, it is true. We've got Bible principles. Uh, there's, here's another one. If a man won't work, he shouldn't eat. That comes right out of Scripture. So uh, those who are lazy or unwilling to work, don't give them your money. Don't, you know, don't, don't uh, worry about meeting that need if they are able to work and just refuse to do so. Um, so there's some principles like that. Uh, the, the primary principle you probably should listen to is that of the leading of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit knows when you ought to give. Now sometimes you may give a gift and you may not know the person. And perhaps they take that gift and they use it the wrong way. That's not your problem. If the Holy Spirit of God lays it upon your heart to give, you give in obedience to God, and then God will bless you for it, and God will be honored by it. And sometimes I think God will use a gift to the undeserving to help move them closer to Christ. Because guess what? I wasn't deserving of anything Christ gave me, but he gave it to me freely through the blood of, of, of uh, his sacrifice at the cross. And so, um, <clears throat> praise God that he gives sometimes when we don't deserve it. Thank you, Lord. And, uh, uh, and so, so listen to the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit but, uh, lead you, but give generously. Have an open hand to be willing to use the resources that God has given you to bless other people. Um, that honors God. And of course, giving in general honors God. You give to the church, the tithes and offerings and so forth, that honors God as well. So, um, responding to Jesus' work, for all he's done for us, praise wholeheartedly, live righteously, give generously. Fourthly, submit willingly. Submit willingly. Now, this is a dirty word in our culture. Uh, people don't want to submit to anybody. Uh, but verse 17, uh, he says, obey your leaders and submit to them. Uh, since they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account, so that they can do this with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. And so here, um, you know, in general, if you look in Scripture, like in Acts 15, you see that the church, when they were making their decision at the Jerusalem Council, they had their leaders. The leaders were discussing the problem, which is, are the Gentiles required to do what the Jews do? And, you know, it's basically. And so they're, they're discussing this, and, uh, and they come to a conclusion. And then they ask the people, and the people affirm the conclusion they came to, and they make the decision as a unified whole. Uh, and so it, it's a great picture of what I think unity in Christ should look like. But, alas... Often things don't go that way, uh, that smoothly. And sometimes there are problems in the church. Um, Paul dealt with problems, didn't he? Uh, he, uh, he addressed immorality in the church. He addressed uh, false teaching in the church, uh, greed. Uh, and, and matter of fact, he's the one who, who wrote, if a man won't work, he shouldn't eat. Uh, you know, he addressed a lot of different things. Uh, one, uh, hey, you're waiting for the Lord's Lord's coming, uh, but while you wait, you still got to do your job. You still got to do these things that you're supposed to do. And so there's a lot of issues he dealt with, 
Uh, but the divisiveness that he, that he faced um, at Corinth was probably the worst situation in terms of, of church harmony that he dealt with. And, um, and he uh, rebuked. He was patient. One time he said, you know what? I was going to come see you, and I decided not to because I knew that it would not be pleasant. And uh, I would say, have to say some things that I didn't want to say, and uh, feelings would be hurt. And he said, so I wrote you a letter instead, and I'm going to come to you, but deal with these things. And then he said, otherwise I'm coming to you with a rod. Now, I don't know what was going on, but if you're having to go to church with a rod in your hand to deal with stuff, that's pretty serious business. And so uh, he had to deal with a lot of different issues. And, and so uh, apparently we do know that there were some things addressed in Hebrews, that some who were abandoning the faith, others who were kind of lazy in their spiritual walk and were not progressing and uh, following the Lord in the way they should. But uh, likely there were some other problems as well. And, and, and he knew as he wrote this letter, he says, hey, there's some issues there, and, and maybe they had been following their leadership. Uh, a lot of times when uh, a spiritual leader asks you to do something, there may be more to it than is on the surface. Okay? <laughs> now, don't ask me what it's about. Now, if I come and I ask you something, don't say, Now, preacher, what's the more to it? Uh, because I'm not going to tell you. But um, there are cases where... You ask somebody to do something because you know of a problem. And you've been told in confidence. And you know the path that this is leading down. And you're asking somebody to do something to change the dynamics of this situation for the good of the church. If that person responds and is cooperative, whew, makes it a lot easier on the leader, right? <laughs> but it also is good for the church. And so uh, if that person will not respond, and then, you know, there, there, there com comes a new dynamic. And um, depending on what the issue is, uh, it can sometimes cause great difficulty and problems in, in the church. And so um, he, he goes on, he's going to ask his people to pray for him. And, uh, you know, if, in the context of problems, that is a definite good thing to do. If, you think, if you're thinking one day, think, boy, that preacher's not handling this thing too well. This problem I know about, he's not handling it too well. You pray for me, please, okay? <laughs> because uh, we're all human, aren't we? And uh, we need the Lord's help. But, uh, but uh, this idea of, of submitting to your leadership willingly, uh, he says, so that they may do this with joy uh, and not with grief. And uh, for that to be unprofitable for you. So uh, that is one way to honor Jesus Christ is by response to your church leadership. By the way, uh, it probably should be said here that church leaders have limited authority, right? Um, I don't have authority over your family, okay? If... Uh, uh, if there's a lady out there, and I know you realize this probably, but I, I do know of places where where uh, pastors do the, do this kind of thing, and uh, it's not appropriate. If, if your husband wants you to do something, and I come and tell you to do something else, you shouldn't do it. You should follow your husband. Okay, <laughs> that that's the role of the family. That's not the preacher's role. 
Okay, the preacher's role is authority in the church, on church matters. So, um, that's important. Also, um, the other authorities such as government and, uh, I mean, whatever sphere of life you want to talk about, your workplace, for example. Um, each one of these spheres of life has their own authority. Of course, we're all under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, including me and, and every other authority in, in our lives. Um, and, and the pastor should um, support the following of other authorities. I've seen some cases where pastors are abusive, uh, where they try to control every aspect of people's lives. That is not of God. That is not healthy. Uh, anybody that tells you to do anything against what God says, don't listen to them, no matter who they are. Uh, and so, uh, so that's worth, worth mentioning. But uh, as we do submit willingly when, when leadership is, is done in the right way, uh, we honor Christ. And so responding to Jesus' work, live right, uh, I mean, uh, praise wholeheartedly, live righteously, give generously, submit willingly, pray consistently. Uh, he, he writes to them in verse 18, he says, pray for us. For we are convinced that we have a clear conscience, wanting to conduct ourselves honorably in everything. And I urge you all the more to pray that I may be restored to you very soon. So he's praying for, he's asking them to pray for two different things. Uh, and the sense is ongoing. He says, we want to, to please God. Please pray for us. You know, um, if God, if God saves your soul, you're going to have a target on your chest that the enemy is going to want to take you down. If you serve in ministry, you're going to have a big target on your chest because the enemy hates the servants of God. Uh, so pray for them. Okay. Pray. Sound self-serving? Yes. Pray for me. Okay. I'll, I'll take all I can get. Um, and... Uh, and it's interesting, he says, and, and pray, pray that God will help us be able to come to you soon. Isn't that neat that God cares about the practical details of our lives? Um, so uh, praying for each other in the body of Christ is such a powerful and important thing that we can do. Allow the Holy Spirit to lead you in that. Um, and as you pray for others in the body of Christ, you honor Jesus Christ. Because what does he do? He prays for us. He ever lives to make intercession for us. And so, uh, responding to Jesus' uh, work, live righteously, give generously, submit willingly, pray consistently, live confidently. Look at verses 20 through 23. He says, Now may the God of peace who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus. You want to know how powerful he is? He brought up from the dead. Our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. That is that new covenant Jesus established at Calvary. May he equip you with everything good to do his will. Everything good to do his will. That's a pretty powerful statement right there. How much is he going to equip us to do when he calls us to do something? He's going to equip us to do 
everything good. That encourages me. I, uh, it says, working in us what is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ. In other words, Jesus Christ is doing that through us, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And so, uh, we, we're to live confidently. Why? Because anything that God asks us to do, he will provide the means to do it. Isn't that amazing? Um, I think of Moses. Uh, God calls Moses. He's been on the backside of the desert for a long time. And God says, I want you to go deliver my people Israel. And Moses says, and you're, by the way, you're going to be a spokesperson to Pharaoh. Well, Lord, I can't speak well. And God says, who made the tongue? <laughs> Didn't I make the tongue? Moses, don't you think I could help you? And Moses still, he was so worried about it, uh, God finally re reluctantly agreed to send Aaron with him, who could talk better than Moses. And so Aaron initially kind of helps with that, but uh, then you see Moses talking on his own later on. Uh, God was able to supply what he needed. A lot of times we, God puts a task in front of well, Lord, how can I do this? Well, if he calls you to do it, he'll supply the grace and the means you need to do it. And it's amazing how he'll do that. And uh, there have been several times I've taken a step. One of the steps I took, I felt the Lord was... I, I, I was actually pursuing music at the time. I thought, well, I'm going to minister music because I love music. And uh, I got a call from a church that would have been a volunteer music director, but I hadn't, I had never done it for money. And so I got a call from a place that we want to interview you, and uh, it's a music and youth job. So I get in the interview, and they say, we, we really don't care about the music. We care about the youth. We want you to invest most of your time in the youth. And uh, so I said, okay. Well, I, that was way out of my comfort zone. Now, that may seem weird to you. You say, well, you're a preacher. You, why can't you? No, listen, you don't understand. I'd never done anything like that. I mean, I taught Sunday school uh, to some middle school boys who uh, half the time slept through my, <laughs> slept through my class. And so, uh, you know, I wasn't real confident in this area. And uh, I remember going home and saying, okay, God, what about this? You know, I'm not sure about this. And I just felt like this is what you're supposed to do. And so I reluctantly, nervously took a step. <laughs> and I said yes to it. And, and, it, it. and it's amazing how God in that, I spent a year there, and that was right before I joined the military. In that year, God not only worked in that youth program, and there were kids saved. We had some really good things happen. Uh, but also, God began to shift my heart from music to this. Uh, I had to prepare lessons for these youth. I, I, I didn't know what to do about that. I was trying different things. I, I, was, I, I was like a, a cow looking at a new gate. I just didn't know what to do with it. And, um, and so, finally... Um, God began, I began to prepare things on my own and to study, and God began to put a seed of a desire in my heart. And then he, eventually he called me to preach. 
all of that to that one decision. Because if I said, Lord, I can't do that. I don't have those gifts. I, I don't know what I'm doing. If I said no to it, I would have cut off the purpose of God in my life. And so um, there have been times I've told God no on things and, and, and regretfully, uh, you know, who knows? You know, sometimes we tell God no on something and we, we, we don't know. We won't know till we get to heaven what could have been had we been willing to obey. Uh, and I've I've shared I've shared a story about that. I won't I won't share it again. But um, we need to live confidently. If God is for us, who can be against us? And as we live confident, that's not pride, right? Because who's doing this? Not me. Christ Jesus in me. Okay. As we live confidently, trusting in his ability to live his life through us, it honors him. And uh, he then receives glory. Uh, so uh, we need to live confidently. If God before us, who can be against us? Can you think of any uh, 12 men less qualified? <laughs> Uh, perhaps maybe Matthew, he was probably educated, he was a tax collector. But, uh, you know, the 12 disciples weren't, I mean, they were fishermen, okay? And most of them were fishermen. And Jesus, Jesus calls them to be, his, and then, and then they, half the time they, don't, they get the wrong answer. You know, you, you got that, you, when you have a, a class at school, you got that kid that always tells the right answer. You know, the teacher's always calling, yes, yes, and they become the teacher's pet, you know. And uh, That wasn't the disciples. They were the guys in the back who, when they were called on, half the time gave the wrong answer. Uh, you know, they, these were not the people that you and I would have chosen. And yet, Jesus chose them. And then he equipped them. He sent the Spirit at Pentecost. And these 12 men, at one point, people are, people are seeing what's going on. said, these people are turning the world upside down. The supernatural power of God entered into ordinary people, and through his power, they did extraordinary things. We had a guy in uh, the, the second church that I was a staff member of, who was um, just, um, he, he wasn't educated, he wasn't um, well-spoken. You, you wouldn't think, um, you wouldn't think of him as the kind of person who would be an effective soul winner. You just wouldn't. I mean, you know, you, you probably got an idea of who you think would be, maybe it's a, somebody who's real bold and, and uh, outgoing and uh, winsome. This guy wasn't any of those things. He was the shy person who hardly said a thing. And yet he had an unusual gift. He'd win people to Christ. He'd go talk to them. They'd get saved. I, I'd never seen anything like it. Uh, he, brought, he brought somebody to church one night. He said, they, they, here's so-and-so. Uh, they gave their heart to Jesus this afternoon. He's a, he was a Jehovah's Witness. Now he's serving Jesus. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, he, he just had a supernatural power upon his life you see 
it doesn't matter what our abilities are. It just matters what God wants us to do. And if God calls us to do it, he's going to go with us. And he'll do it through us. So we live confidently. And that confidence in Christ brings honor and glory to him. And it is something that pleases his heart and delights him. You remember the lady that, um, this, is, this is a little different, but this was also a step of faith. Uh, she's, she's coming, she's from another nation, and Jesus is almost, I mean, it sounds rude to us, and in those days, it probably was more common, and, and, and they kind of accepted those categories probably, but uh, Jesus said, it's not fitting for the dogs to eat at their master's table. Now, if it was me, I'd probably have been heading the other direction. You know. But she said, well, Lord, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall underneath their master's table. And Jesus looks at her, and he said, I'm going to kind of put this in a teenager vernacular. You're awesome. <laughs> I haven't seen anybody with faith like this in Israel. Jesus was impressed. Why? Because she stubbornly trusted Jesus. That's how Jesus wants us to live, with a stubborn trust that he will be there for us and live through us as we follow him in obedience to him. So, responding to Jesus' work, live righteous. I wrote praise wholeheartedly in a different spot and it's messing me up. Praise wholeheartedly, live righteously, uh, give generously, submit willingly, pray consistently, live confidently, Bear patiently. Verse 22, brothers and sisters, I urge you to receive this message. The word receive is kind of a, uh, a uh, Casper milk toast kind of translation of this word. word. This word is actually a little more colorful. It means something like bear or endure. Like, preacher, will you ever shut up? You know, uh, when are you going to stop? And so uh, this is kind of the idea. I urge you to bear this message of exhortation, for I've written to you briefly. Uh, he said some pretty straight things in Hebrews. He said some things that make you uncomfortable. I remember when I used to read them as a teenager, I think, good Lord, you know, <laughs> what, what am I to do with this? And, but can I tell you something? God's Word at some times should disturb you. If you're reading it the right way. Sometimes it encourages us and makes us feel good. But sometimes it disturbs us and confronts us with who we are. And that's a good thing. Um, one scripture in Hebrews says, The word of God is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword, to the dividing a part of the soul and spirit and so forth. And uh, it uses sacrificial terminology. And so it's like... That priest who would cut open the sacrifice and expose it to make sure there were no blemishes. That's what the Word of God does. It lays us open, lays us bare before Him. And that's uncomfortable. I remember one time in Texas, I had been kind of sensing that something was just not quite right in my spiritual life. And just hadn't had the joy of the Lord like I'd had. And uh, so one day I, I asked God, Lord, is there sin in my life? Is there something I need to confess to you? 
and then you brought one thing up, and then you brought another thing up, and an hour later, I was still confessing stuff. <laughs> I, I was, and that was kind of uncomfortable for me. I, I was like, man, I didn't realize I was doing this bad, you know. Uh, but can I tell you something? At the end of it, the joy of the Lord was there. So he says, he says, bear this instruction patiently. Sometimes you ought, the reading the word of God ought to be hard. It ought to be uh, difficult and disturbing because as it is those things in your life, it will challenge you and move you toward the Lord. And um, that is a great, great blessing. Sometimes medicine is, uh, is not pleasant, right? You got a, cu- a cancer, what are they going to do? They're going to cut it out, right? They may give you chemo and radiation too. Uh, and that's, that's not pleasant. Uh, it's not pleasant to get cut on. Uh, but the goal is your healing, right? Same thing is true as we come to the Word of God. Uh, Clifford Wilson was telling me one time that uh, someone had, had come to him and saying, you know, my, my preacher said uh, something that offended me and, and made me feel uncomfortable. Clifford said, well, if he's not making you feel uncomfortable and saying things you don't like occasionally, he's probably not doing you any good. <laughs> and uh, I thought, man, that is true. Uh, praise God for those who will speak honestly the truths of God's word. My mother used to quote, the way of the transgressor is hard to me and my, my siblings. <laughs> and, uh, and so um, bear patiently. As you bear the word of God. That means reading in the clean white pages sometimes. I'm not saying you ought to do it all the time. Sometimes you need encouragement. You need to go to the Psalms and be encouraged, okay? But sometimes you need to read the clean white pages. Go to those parts of the Bible that you wouldn't go to for the verse you you quote on Facebook, okay? Uh, Go to some of those places that talk about the the wrath of God or, or that talk about the justice of God. Or the holiness of God. We need to be confronted with those things from time to time. And uh, it's like good medicine for the soul. Uh, and as you do that. As you go to these places. And you're seeking to hear from God. You're honoring Christ. And you're blessing his name. For what he has done for you. Listen I want to tell you something. It is worth every bit of comfort I, or discomfort I could ever experience. Because of what Jesus has done for me. Uh, praise his name. I, listen, I was going nowhere fast as a lost person. I, I, I was empty. I, I, I didn't, I, I don't know if I'd ever done it, but I'd had thoughts of suicide. That's how desperate I was. And Jesus Christ came into my life, and he, he radically changed me. He gave me his joy. And listen, if that means I'm going to go to the clean white pages and get uncomfortable occasionally, I'm going to do it. To glorify and honor his name. There's some messages I don't like to preach. You don't like to hear them and I don't like to preach them. But they're necessary. Uh, some of them I have to pray. That, um, I'll say, you know, Sherry, pray for me. I'm, uh, I don't even want to preach this, you know. 
and God has laid it upon my heart. And so, um, but but responding to Jesus' work, how do you how do you respond to all the good things He's done? Praise wholeheartedly, live righteously, give generously, submit willingly, pray consistently, live confidently, and bear patiently, and you will honor your Savior and bless His name. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Help us, Lord, to honor you in these ways that we've talked about tonight. Uh, Lord, forgive us for the times that we don't honor you and that we go our own way. And Father, direct our eyes to you and, and our hearts to you to follow you in the ways that we should. Lord, anyone who is here tonight who doesn't know Christ, I pray that tonight would be the night that they would repent and put their trust in Jesus Christ for eternal life. And we pray it in Jesus' name.